Thank you to my friend Teresa from our church for listening to the Elvis episode. I didn't know the future direction of this program until she told me that she liked it and that she was listening. And there have been other people that have mentioned that to me as of late, but Teresa especially. And um, it's because of that we're going to continue to do this podcast and have fun with it. And um, we're not going to let any trolls or bullies stop us from doing what we love to do. If you love this podcast, please rate it on Apple and please tell all your friends and family. And remember, you can listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, Radio One, Breaker. Please uh, tell all your friends about this podcast if you love it. And make sure you tell them why it's great. And now, let's get the show started. Hello, 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 and cha-cha-cha once again. Hi, friends. This is Alex Townsend, and this is, once again, The Aspie Files, your new favorite podcast. And we want to say, hello, how are you doing? And I hope you're enjoying this beautiful Labor Day. I know we are. I've been off since Friday, but for a very special reason, which we're about to visit right now. Ladies and gentlemen, this is my lovely wife of one year, Jennifer. Say hi, baby. Hello, everybody, and cha-cha-cha. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I hope you're having a great Labor Day and enjoying this beauty of a day. Yes, it is. Whether you're swimming or going to the beach, and if you do, drive safely, please, especially if you're in Southwest Florida. Uh-huh. <laughs> or whatever day you drive there, please drive safe, because people do not know how to drive these days, do they, babe? We were on the way to the beach, and there was a traffic situation, and we had to turn around. Yeah, and... We luckily had our sandwiches packed and we came back here. I was like, you know what? Let's just have a picnic by the pool. And we did. We did. And we did while listening to, uh, I cannot believe, one of my obsessions uh, for probably the last, uh, since I got into podcast 10 years ago, Fresh Air with Terry Gross. That's right. And we were listening to an episode with one of my favorite musicians, uh, former son-in-law of Johnny Cash and singer, songwriter, musician, and country music historian, Marty Stewart. Yeah. It was a great interview, wasn't it? You had a nice time interviewing, listening to the interview. Yeah, well, Terry Gross is a master at interviewing people, babe. Yeah. She is an unbelievable master at it, I must tell you. Mm -hmm. Because she's been doing this, oh, God, how long has has she been doing this for? Give me a second here. Um, Probably a long time. Decades, decades. I'm trying to get the exact number. Um, Okay, so she has, um, she's been with NPR since 1975. Wow, that's a long time. That is a long time. She's from Brooklyn, New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, um, she she's a graduate of high school. She's, she spent Bay High School in 1968. Uh, bachelor's degree in English, master of education, degree in communication from the University of Buffalo. She actually was, a, oh, look at this. She was a school teacher in 1972. This year, my mom graduated from high school. Very intelligent. Terry is very intelligent. Yeah, she started her career at a station called WBFO, which was NPR uh, funded. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she worked in Buffalo and she worked on a show called Woman Power. This is radio. And they talked about women's rights and public affairs. And she still talks about public affairs a lot on Fresh Air. It's not every episode. They tend to, they mix it up, which I like. Um, but since 1975, she has been at WHYY, which is in Philadelphia. And that's where she tapes... Um, uh, fresh air every afternoon. There's every afternoon, but I tend to watch it um, around like four or five in the afternoon when when they drop it on uh, Apple, and that's when I listen to it. And she, the room is very dark when she's interviewing them, and she does a lot of preparation. She'll read the book, watch the movies, listen to CDs, whoever it is on the show. But um, they're never in studio with her. She, make, she makes it very clear she is not in studio with them. And in fact, she told Jimmy Fallon this uh, when she was a guest on The Tonight Show not long, long ago, a few years back. She, um, she, she's in like a, this very, very dark room. Like the room is very, very dark in her studio. And um, Jimmy went to a phone booth in New York where, he, where The Tonight Show is based. And he put on these headphones and then he heard Terry's voice. But radio's kind of like that. You kind of have to close your eyes a little bit and use your imagination to really, really get into it. But yeah, um, so we've been celebrating our, we'll get back to Terry in a little bit, but we've been uh, celebrating our one year um, anniversary this weekend and it's been fantastic. It's been a four day weekend and it has been unbelievably wonderful. Um, a lot of weird things happen too, but we'll get to the weird and the good and the other stuff that we, that, um, 
is in the lawyer's cut here. But uh, no, the weekend started um, with that Friday. This past Friday, I got uh, um, I was able to. Uh, I had to get my license from DMV. Learn a good lesson here, folks. Schedule an appointment. Schedule an appointment. You'll be out of there ten minutes tops, or at least it was for me. And I got in, got my license, and then Jen and I went and celebrated our weekend. And we went, and I suggested this. Um, we were gonna go. She wanted to do, wanted to do kayaking and golfing. But what happened was, uh, it turns out you have to register for kayaking a day in advance, which we did. So we wound up going kayaking the following day. But this, but Friday, which was our anniversary, we went to a place called Golf Pro. Is it called, babe? Golf Pro. Golf Pro, and. Fort Myers. It's in Fort Myers. It's off 136 if you are in the Southwest Florida area and if you very love golf. Place that, uh, just some golf balls. It's so yeah. much fun. And I gotta tell you, I had such a ball doing it. And Jen brought her clubs and they had they had complimentary clubs there for us. And you pay by the hour and they have food they have the the yeah, the menus, they have food, they have lunch come to your uh, your table. Mm-hmm. So you get to eat in between uh swings, which is really great. We got some chicken wings and some tater tots. And what did you get? A chicken sandwich, baby? A chicken sandwich. And boy, did we swing. Yes, we, we did. a great day. I ended up getting it between, on average, between 85 and 88 uh, yards on most of my swings. Mm-hmm. Jen. You have to use the computer to... to uh, oh, yeah. To, um, to set up the system. That's right. Set up the system. Yeah. It was very, uh, they were, very classy. Very classy, very yes. Very upscale. Mm-hmm. Really nice place to go and swing some golf balls. It's a great stress reliever, that's for sure. Yeah. You know, for some people, it's art, which Jen's are known. Baby, what are you painting? I am painting a bowl. And uh, she's very known for painting bowls and painting um, floral. A flo- Can Floral canvases, they're called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we put a bunch of these on Jennifer's website, which um, definitely if you get a chance, please check out Jen's artwork. It's through uh, Square Pegs, right, babe? That's right. So make sure you get a chance to see it. And if you love it, please buy it. Please buy something from us. <laughs> yeah. we'll, 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 we'll set you up. We'll set you up. Jen's Artwork. Jen's Artwork, it's called, for Sue Square Pegs, ladies and gentlemen. They promote a lot of talk radio, Square by the way. Space. Squarespace, thank you. They promote a lot of podcasts and uh, talk radio. They do. Very yeah, they nicely. Do. They're very well known. They've been doing that for a while now. Um, but yeah, so... I, very nice. Oh, totally. And, but yes, Golf Pro was absolutely, they were lovely to us. Yeah. And I kid you not, I'm shooting at 85, 88 miles an hour. Let's set away for a minute. Just to, Alex was doing an amazing job. Totally. And what happened was, as we're doing an amazing job, I think the highest I got was at 92 yards. But this gal, my baby, my wifey, she shot it at 147, 148 yards on a couple of those damn swings. Yeah, some fun. Oh, God, it was great. And then we came back here and we went swimming, which is one of our rituals uh, on a day off. Yeah, we left to swim. On a day off, you're typical to find me by the pool listening to music or listening to NPR, <laughs> which is my new latest, my, which is one of my obsessions now. I know, Alex loves NPR, listening to the news, listening to what's happening in the world. Or, or, or Terry. Or Terry. Terry Gross, the lovely Terry Gross, yeah. She, um, but yeah, it's, um, that is a go-to of mine. Um, <laughs> um, because... Going with the weekend. So yeah. We went kayaking and we saw we were trying to look for some manatees, but no manatees showed up. But we saw a lot of birds though. We saw a lot of birds, a lot of cranes, a lot of turtles. A couple of turtles, yeah. They were taking their sun baths. They deserve to take their sun bath. They really did because it's been a long summer. <laughs> Yeah. It's been a long and beautiful summer. Yeah, we're embracing, embracing uh, summer, letting go of summer, and welcoming September, the, mm-hmm. the autumn. Well, we welcome September because that's our anniversary, and it's also the anniversary of this podcast. That's right. I remember the first day we started, I was excited. Were you excited? And your good friend, L'Oreal, introduced you to... To opening to starting a podcast. L'Oreal was the one that got us to start it. L'Oreal and Peter Bush did. And you say thank you. And I thank you to those two people because they definitely inspired me to do this because Peter's like, dude, you're funny all the time and you love to talk. Yeah, so you love to talk. I do, yeah. Uh, Sometimes to the pe- to, to the annoyance of people around me, but they they uh, they understand why. It's it's part of me. It's my DNA. Uh-huh. I can't escape it. Um, and I don't, I don't know, it, it gets me, it's the valve that keeps from being, um, going overflowing. Right. I mean, I would, 
my valve would definitely overflow if I couldn't uh, talk. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, um, you know, Leno was told because they wanted to fix his jaw so he could get casting calls in the 80s. And they said, well, what we need to do is break the jaw and then rehang it. And he goes, well, how long would that take? Well, you probably wouldn't be able to talk for about a year. And Jay's like, nope, I'm not doing it. <laughs> well, he was fortunate enough that he, um, people liked him enough. Because um, he would travel across the country. I mean, he made it work. He traveled 280, 300 days out of the year at one point. Mm-hmm. Now he does about 150 because he has two shows on TV. Wow. He has Jay Leno's Garage, which is his love of cars. And he brings his celebrity friends on. Right. He's had on Tiffany Haddish um, to talk about cars. Uh, he played a game with her of could you guess the car by the engine? Mm-hmm. She did very well with those, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had uh, Jeff Foxworthy on. They had, uh, Pres- they had President Biden on. Uh, Bush was on. 43 was on. Um, his best friend, though, Tim Allen, who's also a car nerd. Mm-hmm. And they actually played a game with Tim called Stump a Car Nerd. Are we talking about Jay Leno? About Leno, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah, it's, um, and then now Jay also has, uh, You Bet Your Life, which is coming back later this month, I can't wait to see it, You Bet Your Life, for people who have never heard of it, is a remake of the classic game show that was on radio and TV with Groucho Marx, basically contestants come on, and they answer, uh, trivia questions for, um, a nice little chunk of change to go home with, on Jay's version, you can go home with up to $5,000, so it's $250, $500, $750, then 1000 for a question, then the fifth one's double or nothing. Right. And also at one point, if any of the two contestants that are there say the secret word, $500, no questions asked. $500 <laughs> with no questions asked. So if any of them say the secret word, which they reveal before the contestants come out, mm-hmm. uh, and that's Jay and his co-host Kevin Eubanks, who was his band leader on The Tonight Show. Uh, Kevin's great. Yeah, uh, Ben is my our friend Ben. Pastor Ben is a huge fan of uh, of Kevin and uh, Jay Leno. Absolutely love it. And, um, but yeah, so we still we after we did um, and we kayaked both days. We kayaked. We, we kayaked. I'm oh, no, sorry. We kayaked on Saturday, but we went swimming on both kayaked days. On Saturday, had a lovely day. Yes, we did. <laughs> Good way to describe it. Chestnut sick, our dog. She's got a pretty, please pray for our chestnut dog. Our, yes. Our dog, Chestnut, yeah. she has glaucoma. And all the people and animals who are suffering from glaucoma, please pray for them because it's not fun. It's hard if you're, if you're a pet owner. And... Yeah. So we've been giving her drops and we can't yep. really leave her. So we... She gets her drops four times a day. But she's doing well, and she's 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 surviving it, and and she's uh mm-hmm. she's she's a she's, um, she's a fighter. She's a fighter. That's the best way to describe it. Yeah. So we're teaching her ways of how to uh, how how she can listen with her ears and with uh, sit with her nose on yep. finding her way. She's done a good job with it, though. Yeah. If you put a piece of salmon in front of her, she'll find her way. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I can describe. Or chicken. She's a very sh- very sharp and smart Shiba Inu. Totally. Yeah, she has been. We've changed her diet up a little bit, too, to help her out. Um, it's been helping her out somewhat, though, hasn't it, babe? Yeah. Yeah. So instead of just giving her dry food, we're giving her canned food and dry food. Yeah. So, and I'm still getting used to that because that smell. And we asked because you're like, woo, woo. Alice can't take the smell. It's like an alarm going off. I've gotten used to the smell. Mm-hmm. I just make sure I don't eat anything rich before I uh, do that. You know, because if I did, I'm scared. It's like, yeah, <laughs> hasn't happened yet, thankfully. But it's all right. Chestnut's doing fine. She's doing, yeah, she's going to get better day she's by day. Great. Yeah. But yes, please pray for her and please pray for all beautiful an- uh, animals of the, um, of our world. Um, dogs, cats, birds, fish. Um, and people who have glaucoma. Yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, so um, we went. Um, so the kayaking was nice. And then Saturday. Talk and kayak for about two and a half hours. Yeah, and my arms got really red. It's calmed down a little bit, but oh, my arms got very red during that period. I'll tell you what. And my, my feet did too. I was able to walk on that. It was fun though, and we listened to a lot of uh, 80s country. Yeah. A lot of Ronnie Millsap, a lot of Eddie Rabbit. Um, Eddie Rabbit. Dolly Parton. Oh, yeah. This woman loves Dolly Parton. <laughs> and uh, we're mentioning Dolly because for her anniversary present, I got Jen Dolly's fragrance. Yeah. And how do you like the fragrance, baby? It's great. Makes me want to work from 9 to 5. <laughs> we saw the movie 9 to 5. We saw it last night. Uh, 
one of our church members was singing 9 to 5. On Sunday choir. morning, yep. It was so funny. That's called the, the Big Love Band. That's the name of the band. And she sang so beautifully. Totally. 9 to 5. Yep. I mean, everyone's got their own interesting names for bands. Like, Paul Schaefer has the world's most dangerous band. And it was a great lecture, a great sermon at it was. CSL. Yeah, our friend John, John C. gave the uh, sermon. John Corelli. Wonderful actor. Who we've mentioned on this podcast before. Best actor. He's a great theater actor, yep. Yeah. And he was telling us about how he got a part. Do you remember he got a part by barely looking at the script, but he, yeah. he was so familiar with the part he could improvise it? Yeah. That's hard to do. But you know Henry Winkler had to, Henry Winkler did that uh, to get into theater school in Yale. Mm-hmm. He got he get into theater school. He um he just basically um John gave a yeah. great sermon. And if you, he's uh, coming up, he's going to be starring in our new play. Yeah. In a new play, uh, I forgot the name of it, but it's at the where is it? The uh, uh, call, uh, Cape it's in Cape Coral. No, the, the name of the theater. I'll, I'll pull it up right now. We've, we've seen him there before, Did and wasn't it one play where it was a mother and daughter driving? Yeah. Coastal Park, I think it's called? Coastal Park. Let me make sure I got it right. Yeah, Cultural Park. I'm sorry, Cultural Park. Right. I, know of, I know of that theater. Um, I, Next to the Great Lakes. Totally, yeah, and he's going to be there. He was in one play with, where there was a mother and daughter. Mm-hmm. Mama. What was it called? Mama? Oh, oh, God. I, I can't remember. Bye. Don't fly away, mama. Don't fly away, mama. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. But it was about the mother and daughter uh, road trip. Yeah. And John played the cop. He played a cop, and I think he played. Did he not play a minister as well? No, he played the cop. He played a cop, but he played one or two other characters too. He's very good at playing multiple roles. And he had this road trip. Oh God! Yeah. It was a good play. Hijinks ensue. Yeah. But, um, no, no, um, I don't know. John was saying and the, the role that he improvised most of his lines for was for this theater production. I think it was for my, I think he was playing either a minor or a welder. I think it was, I keep forgetting where it was, but, um, yeah, um, he just pretty much made up all his lines. And like Henry Winkler did that when he applied for Yale school of drama in the late sixties, he literally improvised. Uh, uh, Shakespeare, and he got in. And he, well, John is very intelligent, he very is. smart. Mm-hmm. He's a practitioner. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and a, a very warm person. Very intellectual. Just like me. Kind mm-hmm. person. <laughs> yeah. He's he, a spiritual healer. He is. Uh, yeah, this is the best way I can describe him. And he was a practitioner in other places, in Tampa, too, before. In Ohio, he started. In Ohio, Ohio. yeah. That's where Tom Hanks uh, started with Shakespeare in the uh, late in the 70s. He was part of a uh, Midwestern Shakespearean company. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when Tom got the, the gig, the owner of the theater said, I can give you something that's more valuable than money. I can give you stage time. Um, for any young actor, that means a lot, is stage time. Mm-hmm. It really does. But, yeah, so... Um, you we did go kayaking, and there was a lot of great music during that period because I'm one of those people. I like listening to music when I'm doing anything but sleeping. <laughs> and sometimes music or listening to comedy records puts me helps me sleep better. Because like she listens to sleep meditation, I listen to comedy on Pandora, or I'll listen to music on Sirius XM or music on Pandora. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the two. And I say that because I've been listening to a lot of uh, Jeff Foxworthy records and. Um, Bob Newhart Records and um, Rodney Dangerfield, Woody Allen Records. Like, oh my God, it's absolutely the top two. Chris Rock Records. It's just absolutely, as far as comedy recordings, it's just great, you know. And Carlin. Gotta say George Carlin. Um, oh, by the way, Bob Newhart, happy 93rd birthday today, Bob. One of the greatest comedians ever walked the planet. He was dry. He was a great storyteller. He could, um, his stand-up was based on uh, conversations, phone conversations, and you know, conversations about the military and the driving instructor. Oh, the driving instructor is my favorite bit that Bob Newhart does. Mm-hmm. It's just absolutely just beautiful. But he started in, in advertising. Like that's kind of how that's how Bob um, got into. Uh, that that's how he start started his uh, his career, and he was and he was also in the U.S. Army as well. That's why he was able to do bits about you know because he was in the Korean War. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, yeah, yeah, he was, um, he worked in advertising and luckily he realized he could be the straight man in comedy. So he could, he was good at responding to other people's oddballness. And, you know, he ended up giving us the button down mind of Bob Newhart, which won a Grammy and he won best new artist that year. And I think he's the only comedian comedy recording artist to win best new artist. I think Bob's the only one, if I recall. Um, and then other ones that came, you know, behind the button-down mine of Bob Newhart, the button-down mine on TV, Bob Newhart faces Bob Newhart, the windmills are weakening, it's like one after the other, and it's just absolutely fantastic. And then that led to, you know, a variety show, didn't quite work out, but then he also appeared on, you know, with Carol, he worked with Carol Burnett, he was on the Ed Sullivan show, he was on the Dean Martin show, um... And that led ultimately to his own sitcom, and that was the Bob Newhart show that was on from 1972 to 1977. And um, he played a psychologist. Oh. See, he was a good listener. So the writer, the people that created the show, like, oh, Bob should be a, originally they wanted him to be a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. But he's like, nope, I want to be a psychologist. <laughs> and also, I don't want to, uh, my wife and I on the show, who, Suzanne Plachette, may she also, may she rest in peace, Suzanne Plachette. Um, very funny lady, and she just played off Bob so well. She really, her and Bob were so beautiful together, just like we are. Um, but, um, yeah, Bob said to the producers, oh, we don't want children on the show. He made that very clear. He just, he didn't want, he didn't want to be Danny Thomas. He didn't want to be Make Room for Daddy. He didn't want to be Leave it to Beaver. He just didn't want that. And I think, you know, it, it worked for Bob and shows a success and... You know, it was a good cast. It was him, Suzanne Plachette, Bill Daly, Marshall Wallace. It was like, wow. And uh, they all were kind of kooky characters. The only one that would try just to keep it cool was Bob. Bob and his wife could keep it cool, but they were just surrounded by uh, 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 just um, a world of of neurotic behavior, which is perfect for a psychologist, you know? (laughs) But yeah, I always loved Bob. I've always loved Bob Newhart. And I'm... Braun and I talked about him on a previous episode um, earlier this year, mm-hmm. and he he could do his Bob's like oh, why what what <laughs> you know he he Bob is just when he got irritated or or flippant or or you know flustered it was just hilarious it really was. Um, I became familiar with Bob actually when I um uh, uh saw him on Conan O'Brien and on Letterman promoting his memoir. And then I started reading about his sitcom, and then I heard his comedy records, and I just loved them. And I saw Conan and Bob on the uh, Emmys the year that Bob that Conan hosted, mm-hmm. and they presented the award at the end of the night for best comedy series. And I remember because Bob Newhart was in a bubble for much of the evening, mm-hmm. and Conan had mentioned to Bob there was a poll that said, "Oh, there's a poll," and the majority of them said, "We're going to vote you out." <laughs> Of the bubble, and Bob's like, what, "What? You're saying there are people that wanted to keep me in the bubble?" <laughs> so, and um, they uh, ended up presenting the award. And guess who got the award for best comedy series that year? The Office. Oh, <laughs> Very funny series. Show. I love The Office. It's a so I, funny. yes. Carell was really funny on there. So was my man uh, Rain Wilson, Dwight, uh-huh. uh, and uh, so is uh, B.J. Novak, by the way, uh-huh. who wrote who wrote, starred, directed, and a wonderful new movie. If you haven't seen this yet, ladies and gentlemen, you should definitely take the time to see it called Vengeance. Oh, oh, yeah. That was... What did you think of that, baby? Uh, I didn't like it. I thought it was... See, I thought it was really... What did you not like about it, babe? Uh, was it too scary for you? Uh, I was just kind of... I was kind of into my own, my own world that day. Were you really? Yeah. Yeah. I had a hard time buying that it was one film, because it wasn't. It was a comedy, but it was also a thriller. But it was also... Yes, we did. Yeah. And you know how I found out about it? BJ was on my favorite uh, late night talk show, Real Time with Bill Maher. What's the one we saw with the church? We saw a good movie about uh, gospel. Uh, that was Honk for Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. She liked that Funny film. Movie. Yeah, she liked that film. Very good. And I did too. But, um, you know, and I want to mention, I want to mention Honk for Jesus in a minute. But Vengeance was about um, a journalist named Ben uh, Menelowitz who gets a call that a, uh, a woman he was seeing at the time, and he was seeing more than one woman at that time, uh, <laughs> Mr. Ladies Man, <laughs> yeah. man about town in New York City, uh, he uh, got a call that a uh, girl he was dating um, died of an apparent drug overdose. He goes to this small town in Texas, and he ends up interviewing everybody for a podcast because none of them believe she died of the overdose. 
Absolutely none of them believed it. And so the, the film talks about, you know, small town life, conspiracy theories. What would it be like if your own child or a family member you cared about died from an overdose? You know, would you go through those stages of, of grief? And one of those is denial. And but I thought the cast, I thought the, I thought the film was put together in the best. It was an interesting film for BJ because I've never seen him do anything dramatic. I primarily know him for The Office because he was a writer, uh, actor, and producer on that show, and he was wonderful on there. And uh, I still think he's with Mindy Kaling, but that's beside the point. Um, BJ Novak was good in it. Uh, John Mayer, who played his best friend, was really good. Easter Ray was great. Oh, Terry Gross had a small part in it, babe. Yeah. Um, she had a small part in it as well. Ashton Kutcher was in it. Um, really scary cowboy he was, but, <laughs> um, but I think it, it had a lot of thrown, it had a lot of messages thrown into one film. Um, but it, it, the main goal of it was what would happen to you if someone you cared about died suddenly from addiction? Well, how would you react to it? And, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a film that went all over the place. I thought BJ did a great job in it and I give it a B plus and I would say, see it but keep an open mind when you see it. And then now, uh, now I've got to get to this film because Jen's begging me like, please, 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 please get this. Honk for Jesus, which is on Peacock, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen it yet, absolutely fantastic. What did you like about the film the most, babe? Um, well, I liked it all. I thought it was overall a good film. And you, um, I knew, I knew Sterling Brown pretty well because he was in a wonderful series on NBC, which he got an Emmy for called, um, this they is took us. religion and made it sacrilegious, and then they made it religious again. Yeah, it was, it, it was a mockumentary. Yeah, a mockumentary. Which is a a, a scripted documentary, uh-huh. and it was intended to be funny. Uh-huh. But there were f- moments that made me laugh, I'm not going to lie. There were also moments that made me go, holy mackerel, yeah. you know? Like he let down his people. The, the preacher did, yeah, who yeah. played Sterling Brown played in. He said he was sorry. But the town didn't buy it. Even though we don't really know what happened, like the film, and we're, it we makes don't. You think. It does, yeah. I mean, and some films end that way, Jen. Right. Some films end with, uh, well, what really happened? And I, I think our theory is she ultimately left, mm-hmm. and probably moved to, probably moved to the West Coast, probably to California. I mean, again, it's one of the, it's one of those what if films. What would you do? If someone you loved had an affair, tried to make up for it. But the guy was a, I never bought into his sincerity, but I, I generally am, am a skeptic of organized religion. Like, people are like, but Alex, you believe in God. Yes, I do. But I also am someone who is skeptical of carnival barkers and sideshow characters, which Sterling Brown's character was in this movie. I mean, from the way he dressed to the way he, you know, uh, and just his. His trying to move past something he just really couldn't move past. Right. I think his wife tried really hard to it, but ultimately she smelled the coffee. Right. And the coffee didn't smell that great, did it? No, it didn't. No, but I, I thought both those films were great. And I also want to mention another really wonderful film um, called Emily the Criminal with Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. I enjoyed that. That was a great film. Yeah. Uh, she played a woman who was... Um, she had a felony conviction for fighting a violent boyfriend. And she was trying to get a life in order, and she just couldn't. And so she ends up she ends up working as a contractor for this food delivery company. And she ended up meeting this guy who said, if you join my credit card fraud scheme, you can make $200 an hour. Yeah. And she made some pretty fast money. But oh my God. And Aubrey, look, I'm not against comedians who can do drama. It's interesting when they try it though, you know? Because, you know, I mean, Jamie Foxx has done drama and he does it very well. Jackie Gleason did that well. George Carlin was very good at that. Um, and Jerry Lewis attempted a bit of it at times in his life. You know, uh, Will Ferrell has done it and people don't give him enough credit. He can he can do a serious role if you give him the right script. Same with Carell. Like Carell, Steve Carell is really good. I mean, he's come a long way from both The Daily Show and The Office. You know, he's done it. He was wonderful in Fox. He was wonderful in, um, uh, b- b- um, uh, dramatic films. He's done this. Well, obviously the newsroom, which Steve did, and he was absolutely wonderful in that. And he was, um, uh, what other, what other dramatic roles Steve has done that's really good. Um, 
He was in um, Battle of Sexes, which was funny and it was serious at times. Um, and um, uh, there was another film he did where he played a, a lawyer defending a lesbian couple. Free Held, Free Held. I couldn't remember the name of it off the top of my head, sorry. Um, he was in Last Flag Flying, which was about three Vietnam, Vietnam War veterans reuniting after one of their sons was killed in the Iraq War. Um... If he was in Vice, where he played Donald Rumsfeld, he was really good in that beautiful boy, where he played a magazine a magazine journalist who was helping his son deal with drug addiction. Timothy Chalamet was in that. That was really good. But yeah, so Carell, and he was in Cafe Society with Woody Allen. So he can go. He's one of those actors that goes from comedy to drama with ease and just just nails it beautifully. He really does. But it's interesting when comedians try that. It really is. It re- for me, it really is. But um, yeah, so it's it's definitely been a de- a restful weekend. We got to go swimming after we went to the golfing range on Friday. Yeah, it was fun. We listened to Madonna. We listened to Madonna. Oof, we listened. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. We listened to Madonna. We listened to uh, the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Uh, you you requested the yeah, Rolling Stones. We had yeah. There's a tradition. On the one-year anniversary, and I didn't know of this, but you've been married once before, so you kind of know this tradition. Yeah. And the tradition is you have your chocolate cake. You put the it in the freezer. Yeah, you put the. Fr- I mean, the year after your wedding. See, what happens is you put the cake in the freezer. Yeah. And you keep it there for a whole year. That's right. And then you thaw it out. We had to thaw it out for like an hour, so. I think that's a wedding tradition. Yeah, right? you you told me about it. I didn't know of it because I've never. Somebody I've, told me that it's a wedding tradition. Was it Cora? No. Okay. Was it your mom? No. Was it Julie? No. Was it? I'm not sure who told me. Was it Mindy? No. I'm sorry. I, the people I'm mentioning, Cora's her sister, um, and then Mindy, Julie. She's known them since. Um, how, how long have you known those ladies for? All my life. All our life in Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a wonderful ladies, by the way. I had good conversations with them when we saw them. Always had. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. Um, we listened to a lot of Sinatra and fed, fed each other cake and danced and, you know, she wanted to listen to the Stones. I picked Sinatra, if you could believe that. <laughs> and we played a lot of Scrabble and Uno. Yes, we, yeah, and we're definitely, and I really, really, she got me once in Uno. We played, I think, was it five games of Uno? Five games. And she got me uh, one out of five. Well, I think so, yeah. <laughs> I remember, it was one out of five you got me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we listened to some Kenny G to wrap up the evening, and it was just, it was it was a very romantic and beautiful um, evening as it needed to be. As, you know, 365 days, you want to treasure that. So let's see, Saturday's 366. The games were so much fun. Yeah, we were there for our, um, for our honeymoon yeah, when we eloped. Year. Yeah. They were just so much fun. Yeah, and beautiful. We've talked about this podcast, just how beautiful it was. I mean, like, it's, it is like stepping into New Orleans or... Because it has good food all over the place. It has good music. It has the beaches. It has Hemingway's house. It has Truman's house. All the kitty cats. Oh, she loves cats. Um, loves cats. <laughs> she's looking to adopt one, so... We adopt another one, too. We are contemplating that. We are definitely contemplating that. Yeah. By far. That's, that, that, is, that is definitely going to ha- happen on, our, on Jen's watch. But yeah, we're just, you know, we're now on day 368 and we're just loving it and our lives are beautiful and, you know, mm-hmm. I'm working and I'm taking care of us and Jen's painting a lot and she's applying at nursing positions. So, you know, we're, we're, we're really just counting our blessings every day. We really are. Yeah. We really, really are. Um, going to the center. Yeah, we go to the center on Sunday. Yeah. You know. Um, it's a nice weekend. Yeah. And Jeopardy's coming back soon. I know. All the good shows are coming back. Ghost, Jeopardy, Law and Order. Blue Bloods. Uh, what else? Uh, Industry. Industry's already back. Oh, it is? Yeah, and I know because NPR has a series called Pop Culture Happy Hour. Uh-huh. They've talked about it. Mm-hmm. The first season we saw of Industry, it was gripping. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievably gripping. What did you, did you, you loved, I loved the first season. What did you think of it, babe? Good. Yeah, um, the character that, uh... Yeah, what other things, uh, series have we seen? Uh, back, we've so. all... Um, it's going back? Oh. Um, oh, Shining well. Vale. Shining Vale. Yeah, I gotta find out when they're coming back. That's a good question. Um... All the fall shows are coming back. Yeah, I, let me find out when... Shining Vale, uh, by the way, for people that don't know, Shining Vale, 
uh, airs on Stars. It's a horror series. Uh, let me see if there's a real if there's a release date. Doesn't say when it's coming back though, but it is. It my guess is it'll probably be back uh, in 2023. Right. But yeah, uh, Courtney Cox, Greg Kinnear, really good. And Courtney Cox plays a former wild child who's written female empowerment novels. She's cheated on her husband, and she has a drinking problem. Even more so than I ever had with it. But uh, they end up moving to this house in the middle of nowhere. What other shows? I know that was a good one. Yeah, Greg Kinnear was really good it too, and um, he could he could go crazy on the bottle just like she could. But it is interesting to see that um, you know. She, yeah, well, yeah, Courtney's character especially, she was a woman that was just at a crossroads. You know, she didn't, she didn't want to have sex with her husband anymore. She didn't like being sober. She, her kids really had no interest in their mom. She had to finish her book. She was finishing her book and she was drinking a lot to deal with it. Yeah. And it's, you know, but I, I thought the series as a whole was really good. And um, another show I want to mention that's really good, I'm watching on NBC, is... The wonderful game show that is Password. I know your favorite. One of, it's one of my favorites. I don't. Yeah, I, my favorite game show of all time will always be Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Jeopardy for sure. And they're coming back. And, and Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, and Jeopardy's coming back next week. Yeah. I just I just checked it. Uh, Ken Jennings. Yeah, Ken Jennings is going to host the first month, the first few months of, of the new season of Jeopardy, and this is season uh, thirty nine for them. This is season thirty nine, and they start on a. One week from today, on the on the twelfth. So I'm ex- I'm excited for that. I think it's going to be really good. Um, I'm excited for um, seeing. I'm going to see, see Amodio and Schneider, Matt Amodio and Amy Schneider in the tournament. Yeah. And I I honestly oh I don't I couldn't tell you I think Amy Schneider's going to win this one. What do you think? Probably. But Amodio's a good player too. But you know remember too They're Amy. All they are both good players. They really are. Mateo's really good, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, those, but I say the two keep your eyes on the most, Amy Schneider and Matt Amodio. Keep your eyes on them because they're quick with that buzzer and they know how to bet on those daily doubles. Mm-hmm. Very, very well. Even just as much as Ken Jennings did, just as much as Amy Hall's Howard. Who comes up with the Jeopardy questions? They have clue writers on the show. Oh, pretty good. And they put everything together and, yeah. you know, um, and I'm reading Trebek's memoir again. I got it recently at Jean's Books. It is very good so far. Very good. Jean's book. You gotta go to Jean's book. If you were in Sanibel Island, make sure you go there. Yeah, my friend Jeanette went there. She's a wonderful artist. She got a Western book. Yeah. And it was actually about um, uh, the the Wild West in the uh, 1900s. Yeah. And 1800s, late late in the 19th century. Yeah. 19th century, 1800s America. So, but I mean, if you you know, that's a good that's a good era to read about that Mm -hmm. world. Um, no, I'm. Uh, how do I say this? Great bookstore. It is a great bookstore. It really is. And they have they have fiction, they have history, they have poli sci. If you're a good new age department. They have a pretty good they have a pretty good faith to, and new age department. Mm-hmm. If you're a liberal democrat like me, don't look at the poli sci books, just keep walking. Just keep walking. Don't don't look at them. Don't look at Judge Jeannie Priero or um, Pete Hegseth or any of the, any of those right wing clowns. Just keep on walking, walk, walk, walk. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, the music department I looked at, and they had some real goodies in there. They had um, a book about Buck Owens' life. Uh, they had a bu- uh, several of Willie Nelson's memoirs. Um, they had um, book about John Lennon. They had a couple books about John Lennon. Um, they had a lot of books about the Beatles. And I ended up getting not only a book of Alex Trebek's memoir, but I also got a book about John Mellencamp. Mm-hmm. The guy that wrote it, he's written about Madonna, and he's written about Robert Plant. Mm-hmm. He's a music critic out in um, the UK. He lives in Scotland, though. And I'm not sure how he met Mellencamp, mm-hmm. but I'm sure Mellencamp was extremely excited. And by the way, folks, John's working on the next album right now as we speak. He, he really is. And um, um, it's weird. Like, he put out... This album, Strictly One Eye Jack, this year, and it is one of the best albums he's made in, at least since No Better Than This. It, it is a, a wonderful album in every capacity. And now he's working on the next one right now. And he's also slated to tour this year, too. So I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping he'll come here. Because believe me, you, I, I, I will definitely, I would, I would love to pay money to see John. That would be nice. That, that, that would be nice. It really would, if you know, um, if you come here, John. But, um, 
Yeah, yeah, he's working on he's working on the next album right now. And in fact, the first he dropped the lyrics for the first single off the next album. The the song is on the new album is called "The Eyes of Portland," and it's about homelessness. It's a really dark album. But that's the thing about John is like Bruce Springsteen, like Steve Earle, like Paul Simon, um, Johnny Cash. He doesn't shy or Willie. He doesn't shy away Merle Haggard. He doesn't shy away from writing about tough subjects. But I'd say probably more in the lines. I put John more in the lines of Dylan and um, Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. Yes, they sing about poverty, the middle class, and how we really treat those who really built this country. Mm-hmm. You know, and the song "The Eyes of Portland" is about homelessness. You know, As I saw through the eyes of Portland one day, there are so many homeless they'd all gone astray. They they sleep on the corners during the day, as not to be harmed when the sun went away. They were old ones and young ones, white ones and black. They were all shapes and sizes with rags on their backs. So many people mixed up in the stew with no place to go and nothing to do. It's just haunting, you know. And I don't think the the twenty the the John Mellencamp who came out with "I Need a Lover" in the set in you know the early part of his career. I don't think that person could have written that song, "The Eyes of Portland," in you know in the eighties when he was being played on MTV when he's making songs like "Jack and Diane Hurt So Good." I mean, ultimately, he did grow into that artist with songs like Scarecrow and the Lonesome Jubilee and Big Daddy and writing about, as I said, poverty, the middle class, farms, you know, how how we treat one another, racism. But, you know, John's grown a lot as an artist, and it's just beautiful to see it. It it really is. Um, And if you have not got a chance to get Strictly One-Eyed Jack, please make sure you get a chance. Please, 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 please make sure you get a chance. And also... Um, when you get a chance, please make sure you listen to, um, uh, Fresh Air on NPR with Terry Gross, because it, she is, to me, she is one of the best that does this. She really is. You know, she has interviewed, you know, people from the world of movies and in TV and music and comedy, and she's talked about, you know, the state of America a lot with several different writers and, you know, figures who have followed from the left and from the right. They've had a couple of people on. They had one person recently, Tim Miller, um, who's a gay conservative, and he talked about what, you know, what the Republican Party is like now, and it's, you know, he said it's a shit show, and I can't say I blame him, but it's, um, no, it's, 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 um, it's not all current events on his show. She mixes it up very well. But I definitely, you know, Terry is a person that I love that she really, really gets into every guest. She really organizes everything. She had Marty Stewart on recently. We were listening to them by the pool. Uh Marty Stewart, by the way, for people that don't know, Marty Stewart, um, as I mentioned earlier, is the uh, former son-in-law of Johnny Cash. He's a singer, songwriter, musician, country music historian. Uh, He's written a couple... has published a book of photography of country music and um he's just made some great songs in his career such as hillbilly rock tempted little things touch me turn me on burn me down uh this one's gonna hurt you for a long long time the whiskey ain't working anymore just wonderful songs and they made one of the best albums of his career in 1998 called the pilgrim the pilgrim uh was a mixture it was a concept album and it was, um, 99 it came out, sorry, 99 it came out, um, uh, June 15th, 1999, so, and it talked about, it, it was a mixture of bluegrass music. This podcast is good therapy for you. It's really good podcast, it really is good therapy for me. Mm-hmm. It gets me to talk about things that I really want to talk about. That's right. And then, you know, so, and, and, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you the mic when you're ready, babe. No, no, I'm good. <laughs> She's been doing great. She always, she always shines on here, the folks, doesn't she? <laughs> I help him with his podcast. She, and and she, he does a great job. It's always best when a co-host, you know? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing when I listen to Greg Proops and his wife, Jennifer. Mm-hmm. They just play off each other so well. That's right. But they've been married for more than 30 years. Mm-hmm. So, they get, and they've seen Dylan even, they've seen Dylan in concert like five, together like five times, I think it is. Mm-hmm. They've seen, they've seen Bob several times together, but, and Marty actually worked for him in 1980. Uh-huh. He played backup for him. Good. He's played backup for him. He's done session work for Willie Nelson, the Dixie Chicks, um, Billy Joel, you know, but yeah, um, and he was a sideman for Johnny Cash from 79 to 85, 86, but before that, 
he played in two bluegrass bands. One was with a guy named Jerry Sullivan. I actually talked to someone who knew them, who knew Sullivan. Someone from Philadelphia, Mississippi. I talked to her earlier today. Um, but yeah, um, that's how Mar Marty was a child prodigy. I mean, he picked up guitar when he was like nine, picked up a mandolin a couple years later. And he went on this road with a guy named Jerry Sullivan, who was head of a Sullivan family, you know, singers. And they played bluegrass mm -hmm. at tent meeting revivals, church meetings, and George, oh, I can't believe I'm saying this, George Wallace campaign rallies. Oh, mm -hmm. fuck. But... <laughs> I'm glad Marty's wised up and realized that was, you know, the following someone like George Wallace not the way to go. But, and he also realized early on, Marty realized he wanted to be a star. Really, he figured that out when he, when Johnny Cash hired him, and he played for him for several years, and then that ultimately led to him marrying Cindy Cash, Johnny's daughter. <laughs> uh, yeah, they met on a, a TV taping. Uh, um, Marty played guitar and mandolin for Johnny for all those years, and then Marty wanted to be the star. In '86, he broke out. He made a song called Arlene, was a top 20 hit. And then he went through a divorce with Cindy. That was pretty bad. Uh, and then ultimately, um, he got with MCA and his friend Tony Brown, who was a musician friend of his. And we, um, he gave us Hillbilly Rock. Great song, by the way. Mm -hmm. I, I still dance to that song to this day in the living room every time I'm listening to it. <laughs> Mostly early in the morning to get my day started. I need that and NPR to get my day started. And... Um, Countdown with Keith Olbermann, which I'm listening to. I'll tell you about Keith in a little bit. But um, yeah, um, so Marty had some hits on the charts, songs I mentioned, and then he made The Pilgrim, which was a concept album that featured bluegrass music, honky-tonk music, outlaw country, and it was a critical acclaim. Mm -hmm. President Clinton had that album. His peers in rock and country both own that album, but the general public does not. And I actually got to meet Marty on the 20th anniversary of that album in 2019. Mm -hmm. And he signed, I bought the Pilgrim, the book, and I bought two of his CDs at the table and he signed them all for me. Yeah. I would have asked for a picture, but I was too I was too afraid because he was such a, he was, he's always been a giant to me. Yeah. But next time, if he, and he's coming to Florida in 2023. If we go to see him, I don't know if we're going to, but I'm praying we will. Um, I really, really want to meet him and get a picture with him and introduce you to him because he's a really wonderful guy, babe. And um, he's actually working on He just got signed to this label in Europe not that long ago. And he actually, he said he's got three albums in the can. Uh -huh. So I'm praying, drop, Marty, drop those tracks. We want to hear them on Amazon. Let's go, buddy. Uh -huh. Drop them. <laughs> so, um, but he, he's, 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 a, he's a force. He really is. Um, also, before we end this podcast, I want to give a quick mention to um, Olbermann. We were going to a craft show recently. Jen wanted to go to a craft show, and I was like, okay, babe. <laughs> like a good husband, I said yes. <laughs> and uh, I um, I was going through podcasts, and I found out Keith Olbermann, um, former co-host of Sports Center and former host of Countdown on MSNBC, which aired from 2003 to 2011, and then 2011 2012 on current TV. Um, Al Gore, why did you not make that network work? Uh, and Keith... Um, is, was back with this podcast and it airs five days a week. They drop them early in the morning and I get to listen to them. And it's a combination of news, commentary, sports, uh, and stories of Keith's career. And he's had an interesting career. This is a guy that announced Elvis's last concert on a radio station in Ithaca, New York, when, when Keith was 18 years old. This was 1977. And how much Keith got paid for that, for that uh, little spot? $50. But his rent was $51, so his rent was paid for the month. <laughs> you can imagine what he was making an hour at that station in 1977. Right. And he actually, he started college at 16. Oh my he went to Cornell, did radio, and then he went to CNN in 1980. Right. And then he worked at Boston and L.A. Yeah. And then he got to SportsCenter at age 32. Mm -hmm. And he was there with Dan Patrick for five and a half years. And then he went to MSNBC for a year and a half. He did not like covering the Monica Lewinsky scandal. He did not like that at all. Um, he's made his peace with the Clintons, but he did not like covering that scandal at all. Then he went back to Fox Sportsnet, and that, he said for a year and a half that was fine, but the last year was a nightmare, as he prescribed. If you're wondering why, uh, look up Keith Olbermann, Foxhole on YouTube, and you'll hear him talk about this, because he talked about it on Current, and it was bad. <laughs> 
they, the relationship with Fox Sports ended badly. Um, anyway, and then um, he covered 9-11 on radio. He went down to uh, Ground Zero for 40 days. Wow. He really did. He said best kind of therapy you could get. He really was. And then on the it countdown came 2003 on MSNBC. It started covering the Iraq War, and then by 2005, Keith found his own voice. And he started to go after Bush and his role in Katrina and his role in handling, mishandling the Iraq War. And then he started, and this is what really got the ratings up and get people to watch. Um, he told a story. Uh, well, he was, he was reading a paper. Um, he was reading a story on his phone. This is how new they were. iPhones were very... It was very rare to read your phone, read news on your phone at that time, 2005, 2006. And he read a story about how Donna Rumsfeld, the defense secretary, essentially said anyone who was critical of the Bush administration um, was basically an idiot, essentially, or um, were equivalent to those that appeased Hitler. And basically, Olbermann did not like being, you know, being insulted just for disagreeing with a war that we definitely shouldn't have gone into. He was angry. And keep it light, Alex. Keep it simple. Jennifer? Yeah. Can I finish my story, please, Go babe? Ahead. Thank you. <laughs> I don't keep it light here. This is, you know, the Aspie Files. We taught, we brought us, we say how we feel. Mm-hmm. And I really want to finish the story. This is really important, babe. But anyway, so uh, Keith was angry and he started um, typing up what was the first of special comments. There are basically commentaries that were similar to what Edward R. Murrow did on uh, See It Now on CBS. And um, this is when you know, Murrow went after McCarthy. Great movie that was about it, Good Night and Good Luck, which George Clooney directed. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh my God, the guy that played Murrow, um, he was in uh, Where the Crawdads Sing, babe. He played the lawyer in Where the Crawdads Sing. Actor's name was um, David... Stratoharn, who was, um, he played Murrow in Good Night and Good Luck. Oh, it was a good, great movie. Um, but yeah, Olbermann, uh, the ratings went up and management was happy and um, things were fine for a while. But Keith has an ability to really, really shake up the room and I love that about him. And um, he's always told the truth. He's always made me laugh in the process. Um, and I'm glad this podcast is doing that, especially now in these crazy times we're living in with the Mar-a-Lago raid and with, you know, possible espionage and possible indictment. And it's just Olbermann is holding the powerful accountable, those who lie, misbehave, mislead. And, you know, Olbermann, my hat's off to you. I salute you. If you get a chance to listen to Countdown, if you care about democracy, if you care about the world we live in, please listen to it. It's a great podcast. Um... And um, I think I've said all I said. How about you, babe? That's it. I think that's, that's it for now, folks. But let's say uh, thank you for listening to this episode. We're glad to be back. Please tell all your friends and family about us. Please rate us on Apple if you can. And as we like to end it, um, have that salsa. Have that piece of chocolate cake. Go for that walk. Read that book. Go for that swim. Go for that bike ride. Call your mom. Call your dad. Tell everyone that you love them, that you care about. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Uh, We love you for listening to the Aspie Files. Please continue to do so. Uh, Biden-Harris 2024. Please support Charlie Chris for governor of Florida. We love you. See you next time.